Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to be with you again. I think last time I was with you, I was quite ill, actually, <laughs> and just about made it to the, uh, the end of the message. So um, thank you for uh, enduring with me there. Um, so we're in the discipleship, discipleship series that we're running through. Um, and this um, is uh, the one on growth. A disciple is devoted to growth. Our purpose in all of this really is just to um, strengthen you, strengthen you individually, really, as, um, as Christians make us more um, robust. It's a, it's a rough old world out there, and there's uh, plenty to knock you back. Um, so, you know, really what we're trying to do here is just, you know, build us up and strengthen us individually. <clears throat> I must say, um, it was um, great last week to be um, just up the road at the hub here as one church, our one church Sundays. If you didn't make it for whatever reason, let me just say you missed something there. You know, it's really good. There's something different, something extra. I think when the three congregations come together like this um, and um, I don't want you to be missing out on any of that. Um, we've got, um, I think there's much more to us when we are together um, than we have individually. And uh, I just really want to encourage you as well, come in here, you know, I sense that there's a great deal that, that uh, Wimborne and Fordingbridge can gain from you guys. You have a lot to give, beginning to see the purposes of the Lord Jesus in putting these congregations together, that they've got each congregation, you know, they've got much to give to the others. We have much to gain from one another and we have much to give to one another. So let me encourage you, any opportunity you have, and of course over the Christmas season there are plenty of opportunities, any opportunity you have to gather together with folk from Wimborne and from Fallingbridge, do take that opportunity up and uh, get to know your brothers and sisters there and be confident that you know they need you, that you've got something to give them, they need you, they're going to be enriched by knowing you and by mixing with you. Okay, so, discipleship. Karen, can I just ask you to grab my drink under my um, chair and just bring it up? Lovely, thanks very much. So I think it's a very encouraging word ready to bring you today. So um, that, that's certainly my uh, objective, um, that you are encouraged as a result of this. So a discipleship, um, a disciple is devoted to growth. I, I want to start by saying growth is expected. Growth is kind of built into that title, really, of being a disciple. A disciple is expected to learn, to grow, to develop. And that's a continuous thing. When you became a Christian... You know, you didn't join a club or a, or a society or, or, a, or a kind of, um, you know, mutual um, well-being assurance group. Um, it wasn't a, a one-time achievement. You don't get a, you know, a badge for being a Christian or a certificate that you hang on the wall and you, you feel like, well, that's it, I, I got there, I achieved it. It's not like a qualification that you achieve. Um, the Bible 
speaks just think of the language Jesus uses about being born again a whole new life a whole fresh start a new creation Paul talks about as being a new creation in Christ Jesus he says behold the old has gone the new has come there's these um, metaphors of resurrection that you have moved from darkness into light from the darkness of the grave into the light of the day you have moved from death to life that's going to make a difference that's going to be a change and that change should be apparent amongst us um, the bible talks about us being an heir of the age to come you know we know that jesus is going to return and uh, make all things new the 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 it's a ancient um, Jewish understanding about the fact that uh, one day God would set everything right again and we see that in the New Testament with the return the second coming of Jesus and the setting of everything right again you know we're so aware aren't we of how messed up this world is in whatever direction you look you know things are in a bad bad state well, I want to tell you, the Lord Jesus is coming back and there's going to be a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. And you are already heirs of that. He has already affected that new creation in you. If you're a Christian this morning, if you are a believer, then that's what's happened in you. And you now belong to that new age. It's... Um, there is some satisfaction i think some encouragement sometimes when you look around the world and you think yeah i just don't belong here <laughs> i don't belong here uh, you can almost say it's not my problem um, certainly um, you know the solution is sorted things will be straightened out and you belong to that new creation it's already begun in you so <clears throat> so when we find in um, romans 12 2 Paul says, do not be conformed to this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. In fact, he, he, says, it's like, he says it's like we're looking in a mirror and what we see in the mirror is the glory of of the lord jesus christ now when i look in the mirror <laughs> in the natural i don't see that but he says spiritually as if you look in the mirror and what your reflection is is the glory of the lord jesus christ and then he says and you are being changed from one degree of glory to the next to look more and more like that reflection that you see in the mirror now that word being transformed that word is metamorphosis can you remember your biology lessons at school the metamorphosis can you remember the metamorphosis of the tadpole into the frog you start off with a tadpole uh, you know and it doesn't look anything like a frog does it it really doesn't look anything like a frog but it is a frog the genes for being a frog are all in there and as time goes by that tadpole changes ever steadily into a frog 
We know that, don't we? That's metamorphosis. There's nothing more that needs to be added except food. <laughs> you know, we just, it's natural, isn't it? The tadpole doesn't have to try hard to become a frog. Wish it was a frog. Be more frog-like every day. It just happens. The tadpole just gets on with life day by day and slowly and surely becomes a frog. Or you can take metamorphosis in another way, the caterpillar into the butterfly. So the caterpillar just eats and eats and eats, and then one day is absolutely stuffed and uh, becomes a chrysalis, I think somewhere between one and two weeks normally, and then suddenly, bang, the chrysalis opens up and out pops the butterfly. That's metamorphosis. The butterfly is already there in the caterpillar. Nothing has to change, nothing has to be added, just food, just time and food. And that caterpillar will become that butterfly. We get metamorphosis as well. I don't know if you did this in, in biology. Did you, did you have a, a little cage at school with locusts in? Always fascinated me there. The hideous things, you know, you want to look at the safe behind the bit of glass. You can look at them and, oh dear, ugly things and fascinating things. Well, a locust changes, it grows in stages. I think there were five stages, but you see it with the wings and with the legs. So to begin with, they just crawl. They're tiny little things and they just crawl. And then they develop their, their back legs and they become hoppers. So they can move more effectively by hopping but they still can't fly. That's the last stage. And at the last stage, they get the wings and then they fly. Now, I think growth in our Christian life is, you know, can be like all of those things. Some people I know addicted to, you know, 50 cigarettes a day, they get saved, they get baptised, they get filled with the Spirit, never touch a fag again. Never have that desire, never have that craving instantly broke that's like your caterpillar into butterfly one day it's this the next day wallop change gone but there are others who have to work on that there are others who it takes time it takes the work what the bible calls the washing of regeneration and renewal in the holy spirit that's uh, titus 3 5 the washing of regeneration and renewal in the holy spirit you think, about, um, you think about inside of you, you know, the, the, the detergent that you've got, the agent for cleansing that you've got is the Holy Spirit. I want to say the Holy, Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God inside of you, washing and cleansing and renewing and changing bit by bit. Sometimes that stages. So you might find, for example, Somebody preaches a sermon on something, oh, it touches your heart, you feel God's talking to you, you feel God's speaking to you, and you want to respond and you come forward and people pray, maybe lay hands on you, and you feel like, oh, I've moved forward, I've gone up a step, I've gone from being crawling to hopping, now I'm moving forward, and there's a definite change, and you could put your finger on when that happened, but you still know, actually, there's more to do, there's more changes to make, there's more freedom to come, in the spirit there's more fruit of the spirit to grow in my life i've got to be less of the old and more of the new so that's what being a disciple is all about we are changing we are growing 
It is inevitable, just as metamorphosis is inevitable. But it also comes in different, and it's not always the same for everybody. So we need to recognize that as well. In the Old Testament, really, um, I think probably the most common example um, of um, growth and change is um, what I would call vegetative growth. So let's think about Psalm 1. How blessed is the one who does not walk in the counts of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. This picture of a rich and flourishing tree comes up often in the Old Testament. The idea that the righteous man or woman is like a tree firmly planted, secure, stable, not going to get blown over in the winds and the storms, roots going down deep into the soil. That's a picture of our faith, it's a picture of our devotional life, it's a, an understanding of how you know, we are firmly planted in the truth of God's word. We understand who we are in Christ Jesus, we understand what our salvation is, what God has done for us. We understand where we've come from, how we've been changed, where we're going to. That's, that's that firm, that's that root stop that goes right down and goes down into the... So it doesn't matter how dry it is on the surface. Maybe you go through seasons of, of no rain, but you know, you know how to access the living water that's down there. The stream is there that's flowing all the time and your roots can, can get down and draw on that moisture and draw on that nourishment and that life-giving um, sap, you know, comes into you. And also, the picture of someone whose branches spread right out, you're bringing fruit um, in season, so some seasons you're more fruitful than others, but always we're going round, always there's more fruit coming, always there's more fruit. And through that, you're feeding people, feeding and nourishing those people around you, those people that are looking to you, there's the fruit. You are being a blessing to those around you. You are giving out. Remember the promise um, that God gave to Abraham. He said, I will bless you to be a blessing. You know, we've got to understand that when we're blessed, it's not just for our own satisfaction. We're blessed to overflowing. We're blessed to be a blessing. We receive from the Lord Jesus, but to overflow and give away and bless those around us. So that's about being fruitful. In whatever you do, you prosper. You know, you're having success. Things seem more um, um, oiled, shall I say. So, um, you know, let's say, you know, you're, I don't know, dealing with some admin, a bureaucracy of local government for one thing or another. Well, you find actually things flow through. Um, we had a situation with our car recently that 
broke down and needed to be towed to the garage. And I thought, you know, it was going to take ages to try and get the, 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 but anyway, it all just worked out really well. I phoned the, the, the garage. They just had a cancellation. They said, if you can come in now, come in today, we can do it for you tomorrow. I thought, well, I, I, the, the tow people won't be able to respond. I phoned up the tow truck people. They said, oh yeah, we can come, we can come. Yeah, we'll come tomorrow first thing, you know. Uh, they were supposed to come at 11 o'clock. I think they were there all by seven, weren't they? We, we were in our pajamas. <laughs> but it all just flowed very easily. And um, hopefully we'll put the car up next week. We'll see. Um, but that, that's the sort of thing I mean where, you know, you just feel like, well, God is with you. These kind of things are happening. They're all working through. Um, but then other times you can find... You know, perhaps when you're not walking quite so closely with God, maybe when you're not committing things to prayer, perhaps when you're not depending on the Lord so much, it gets hard. And you think, why can't I get these things to happen? Um, so that's the kind of thing I think where it says, you know, whatever he does, he prospers. Also, you know, in your work environment, in your studies environment, in your home environment, it's happening. It's okay. Life's, life's all right. Life's okay. Okay, you've got your struggles, you've got your hardships, but generally things are going okay there's that sense that god is with me in this and finally with that big tree that big tree is providing shade cover shelter other passages talk about birds nesting in the branches and animals sheltering underneath you know just you as a person are the kind of person that people like to be around you're just providing encouragement stability rest you're a restful person in yourself people come they unload you're probably familiar with that people come and dump on you and then they feel fantastic afterwards because they just come they be in your presence and it's good to be around you people gather to you like that maybe you're a bit mystified sometimes as to why that happens that's because you're that tree just providing that shade and that stability and that shelter and that comfort that's what it is to be a believer. That's what it is to be a man or woman of God. Growing, developing in those ways. So that's a, that's a typical Old Testament example. A great New Testament example um, is provided by Jesus in, uh, Luke, in John, in John 15. So John 15. You can, I, I always like to imagine really Jesus walking in a vineyard with his disciples and there is a vine right there and so he says you know you can almost just it's right here and the disciples are here and he says look i am the vine you are the branches this is a this is what it is to bear fruit he says i am the vine you are the branches Branches are to bear fruit. That's the whole purpose of that vineyard, isn't it? To bear fruit. Grapes. I mean, that's what they want. The grapes. And everything is orientated towards that. And he's saying, look, you are in me. That's that. Abide in me. Be in me. He says, um, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But if you don't abide in me, you'll bear no fruit. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself... Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So this is an example, I think, of this idea of growth 
and flourishing and bearing fruit, but it's rooted, but you are part of the vine. So it's not just about you as an individual, whereas we might, from the Old Testament tree, you might think about, well, that's me as an individual. But now in the New Testament, it's about us together. Together we are branches, and together the vine is seen as a whole. So it's not just about you as an individual, but it's about you knitted and connected to other people and your relationships with one another, and of course, critically, your relationship with the Lord Jesus. It's his sap that's running through you. And, you know, this passage here talks about love, joy, and fruitfulness. It talks about abiding, that's dwelling, that's fellowshipping. That's about, you know, that's about that relationship deep. In uh, Hebrews 12, chapter 2, and elsewhere in the scripture as well, but in Hebrews 12, chapter 2, um, Jesus is called the author and perfecter of your faith. And um, I think that's very encouraging to understand he's the one in charge of your discipleship. He's the one in charge of your growth. You don't have to um, study alone and um, as if you know, you're studying for some kind of exam and then there's a, you know, there's a merit system, who did, who did best. He's in charge. So you don't have to be thinking, oh, I must be doing it, I should be more like this. Let's, let the Lord Jesus be leading and guiding you. Sometimes there are issues in our lives, I think, that actually the Lord Jesus is, well, we, we, we don't need to address those right now because actually I want to address something else which perhaps is a little bit deeper, maybe something you're not so keen to go to, um, but actually this is what needs to be sorted out. Maybe there are some fears, maybe there are some insecurities there that the Lord would like to adjust and sort out for you. Well, we'd rather be, you know, pressing in on, you know, my flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, and perhaps I can be laying hands on people and healing them, Yeah, I could, but we just let's just deal with some of these things down here. So we need to yield to the voice of the spirit and the prompting of the lord jesus in our hearts and understand actually he is the author and the perfecter he's bringing that good work he's begun to completion that's philippians 1 6 he who began a good work in you will continue to bring it to completion it's that um the, the, the tense that's used there in the Greek is that present continuous tense. He, he is continuing to bring that to completion until the last day. That, I think, is very encouraging. I would say many times I've given up. Many times I've thought, you know what, this is too tough. I can't do it. I don't want to do this right now. Let's just stuff all this stuff because I'm done with it. And maybe, you, maybe you're disappointed in yourself. Maybe you think, oh, I should, be, I should be more mature by now. I should be bearing more fruit. I should be able to handle these things in my stride, but I still get knocked down by them. Do you know what? You're still work in progress. That's my encouragement to you this morning. You're still work in progress. Jesus is not, um, oh, my goodness, when are you ever going to get this right? He's not like that. He knows when you're going to get it right. And he's just working on you steadily and patiently and continuously. There's always that 
uh, sense of encouragement and hope and keep going and try not to compare yourselves with others. That's usually where we get disappointed and discouraged when we think, oh, I should be like this person, I should be, be like that person. No, no, just, you know, just, just steady up and know that you're his disciple, you're in his hands and he's working on you. And you know what? If you're his work, then, um, you know, it's going to be successful. It's going to work out right in the end, isn't it? It's not relying on you, it's relying on him. All we need to do is yield, yield, yield. Okay. Um, okay, another, another big metaphor um, for growth and discipleship is the journey. The journey. The idea that you are on a journey, a pilgrimage even, if you want to make that a Christian journey. I mean, the call of Jesus to his disciples that we've got here in the, in the gospel narrative is very simple, very pure. Leave your nets and follow me. That's what he says, isn't he? Come, leave your nets and follow me. He calls them. And that's the same call to us. Leave stuff behind and follow him. Leave your nets. Now, I know that he was talking to the fishermen about their fishing nets, but there's obviously a clear metaphor there in terms of leave the things that entangle you, the things that trip you up, the, the uh, entanglements of everyday life, of the world. Leave those things and follow him. And so we've got, we should have, we should know, each of you should know, okay, these are the things that I've left behind. Got that sense of that's in the past, they're gone, that's what I'm leaving behind. You should have that sense of I'm walking with the Lord, I'm with him, I'm walking with him, there's that fellowship. And also an idea about this is where I'm going to. We've got a destination. We're heading somewhere. This is what, it's not aimless, it's not purposeless. This is where we're going to. So that's discipleship, that journey, that sense of I'm on a journey. And it's a walk. <laughs> it's a walk. It's a steady, continuous pace, walking pace. Don't go, don't walk too fast, don't run ahead, and don't lag behind. But take the pace of the Lord Jesus and follow footstep after footstep. And we've got other examples as well. So Paul um, writes to us in Romans, and he says, follow in the footsteps of the faith of your father Abraham. Of course, I love the alliteration in that, the Fs. Follow in the footsteps of the faith of your father Abraham. And the idea that Abraham has gone before us. Abraham has had that saving faith. Abraham, if you remember famously, God spoke to him and said, leave your father's house and your father's city and follow me to the land that I will give you. And so he leaves Ur of the Chaldees. He leaves that behind and he travels to the promised land and the Lord shows him, doesn't it? And says, you know, says to him, you know, all, all this, everything, I'll, everything you can see, lift up your eyes, everything you can see, I promise you, I'll give to you and to your descendants after you. And so, you know, if you read the accounts of Abraham, you'll see how Abraham's faith grows. First of all, he's got faith to leave, leave and cleave. He's got faith to leave behind and cleave to God and follow him. That takes faith to do that. 
He's believing that he will inherit a land. There is somewhere that God has for him. He's got to follow. That's faith. There's faith for provision. He has to understand that God will provide for him, provide materially for him. And his faith for that comes because, if you recall, he takes Isaac up uh, Mount Moriah and he's going to sacrifice Isaac. Um, and um, God provides the ram caught in the bush instead. And he understands how God has provided for him spiritually. For Abraham, he looks forward to the lamb that, to the, to the lamb that God will provide, the Lord Jesus. We look back to that. That's now historic, isn't it? That has happened. Uh, Abraham understands that God will provide for him spiritually. And if he's provided for him spiritually, then will he not also provide for him in all of his material needs as well? And he, he says, doesn't he, he gives, he gives God a name, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. And he says, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. It's the same for us. We understand that God has provided what we didn't know we needed, what we couldn't ask for, what we couldn't articulate in terms of our salvation, God has provided for that and provided richly. How will he not also with the Lord Jesus? If he hasn't withheld the Lord Jesus from him, it says in, in um, Romans 8, if he hasn't withheld the Lord Jesus from us, how does he not with him freely give us all things? Everything we need, all of our material needs, all of our needs. I remember as a young man how um, I was at a conference and this chap was coming forward various prophecies and you know different people were being promised different things and it all sounded really spectacular and empowering um and and it was my turn and this chap said god's going to give you friends and at first i was disappointed because i thought well you know that's not very spiritual is it you know but actually that's what i needed that's what i needed and it was that recognition that my heavenly father actually perceived what I needed and provided it for me. Um, so that's walking in those footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham. Read his account, read his story, put yourself in his, in his footsteps and follow him. So following the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham and others around you, of course, um, living, living and, and, you know, the heroes of faith in the scriptures here as well. Um, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 15, 2 Corinthians 10, 15 says, grow in faith. Paul says, grow in faith. And what he says is, he links the growth of the church and its influence in, growth in terms of numbers, but also growth in terms of influence in the community with the growth of individuals. He says, you grow in faith, and as you're growing in faith, you'll find that the church will flourish more in terms of its impact in the community, in terms of numbers, people coming in and getting saved. Just as an aside for you, um, he talks about sphere of activity. So um, if you come across that terminology um, in New Frontiers, where we talk about spheres, so um, commission is a sphere. Um, there are, you know, others named after other people's spheres that's why we use that word because that word's in scripture paul talks about a sphere of influence um, so the idea is it's not it's not just something geographic 
It's not specifically geographic, it's more about relationships and it's more about expertise in different, um, in different sort of uh, community endeavours. Um, different churches have different flavours, don't they? They're able to get involved in different areas of, of need, um, depending on you know, how the Lord's put them together. That's a sphere of activity. So grow in faith and your sphere of activity will expand and increase. Just to say, to, just to give a flavour to that, okay? So I'm, I'm, I don't think so much needed these days. Um, several decades ago, I think it was necessary just to counter some of the um, uh, more sort of Americanized. Um, hype really um, in terms of faith um, so what I want to do is I want to say you know good examples Daniel well actually it was Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego um, who um, in Daniel chapter 3 if you want to read that that's the fiery furnace and their faith they articulated this faith to Nebuchadnezzar who was about to throw them into the fiery furnace because they were not bowing down and worshipping his idol and um, very respectfully they just said oh great king you know we don't have to answer you on this point our god is well able to deliver us from your hand but even if he doesn't we're still not going to bow down and worship your statue and there's that sense of yeah god is able to do great and awesome things but even if he doesn't i'm still just going to be obedient I'm still just going to be obedient. I'm still just going to walk on in the day-to-day thing. So, you know, we've seen that in our own church. You know, I believed for my own neighbour, in fact, who came to the Lord and uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumour. And, you know, we prayed. Everybody prayed. We prayed. We prayed. We prayed. We laid hands on her. You know, we, we sought God. Um, but it didn't happen and she died of that brain tumour. And it's kind of like, yeah, our God, I know God is well able to heal. And there are lots of examples of other people that have been healed suddenly and miraculously in that way. Our God is well able. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, we're just going to carry on saying God is good. God is love. He knows what he's doing. And it's not going to shake my faith. I'm going to walk on day to day and trust in him that's that kind of faith that will get you through that's the kind of faith that will achieve great things but also will get you through on the day to day um joshua's the same um i dare say some of you have got this hanging on the wall at home maybe embroidered or or you know crafted in some way joshua um 24 15 Joshua appeals to uh, all of Israel and says, you know, serve the Lord. Don't serve the idols like your, your fathers did while they were in the desert. Serve the Lord. Be wholehearted about it. And then he just basically says, look, do whatever you're going to do. Do whatever is in your heart. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've got that written up on the wall somewhere? As for me and my house we will serve the Lord. And that's that kind of, you know, yes, so you appeal to those and you say, please give your hearts to the Lord, please walk in devotion to him, please be wholehearted. But you know what? Whatever you do isn't going to affect me. As for me and my house, 
that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm resolved to do. Come what may, we will serve the Lord. And that's that kind of faith that you need for day to day that gets you through. And it's a faith that's an example for others, you know, to inspire and to convict um, and for them to follow. So grow in faith. 2 Peter 3.18 says grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think very interesting grace and knowledge put together. <laughs> so by all means, grow in knowledge, definitely, definitely. Do your studies, read your books, listen to your uh, seminars and, you know, and do your college courses and whatever else. Excellent. Grow, grow, grow in the knowledge of the word of God, in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Please, please, please. But don't get puffed up and arrogant and think that, you know, I don't know, because you've got an ology, <laughs> you're it. Um, grow in grace. Grow in grace as well. Be more and more like him. He was full of grace and truth. Those things go together, grace and truth. If it's just truth, it can be pretty hard to stomach and it can be pretty um, destructive sometimes. If you just share the truth with somebody, you can floor them completely. How about some grace with that? Jesus Christ was full of grace. Would you like to be full of grace? So that all of your words are dripping with grace. So that everything you say is just beautifully savoured. And people can listen and hear it and they're encouraged and filled and strengthened and full of hope and drawn closer to the Lord Jesus because of what you say, what comes out of your mouth. That would be, that'd be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. And what about the way that you are with people? Can you be forbearing towards people? Can you be gracious towards people? Can you, be, can you give them a bit of space? Can you um, tolerate a little bit of um, um, unchrist-like behaviour in others? and then just overflow, overcome that by being Christ-like yourself, in your behaviour, in probably the things that you don't say, the things that you refrain from saying. <laughs> Be gracious by not saying some things, as well as being gracious by saying things, yeah? How about that? That would make a massive difference, wouldn't it? We, we all fall short, we all sin, you know, in the use of our tongue. Let's just concentrate on being gracious about things. So grow in grace, grow in knowledge, grow in truth. Um, Peter 2.2, like newborn babies crave the pure spiritual milk of the word, that by it you may grow up in respect of your salvation. Now, um, let me just, I want to just read, I just want to turn to Ephesians. Um, if you've got this in your... Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, um, because I just want to give you a picture here of growing up in respect of your salvation. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Uh, this is New American Standard. I know you'll have slightly different phrases. Talking about Jesus, he gave, he gave to the church, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. We are the saints. We're all the saints. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service 
to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Typical um, Paul, uh, one phrase falling over another. That's the kind of passage which, if you can get hold of it in the Message or the Living Bible or J.B. Phillips, you could probably get a hold of more of it there. Um, you know, nice to, nice to use paraphrases for that sort of thing. I wanted to just pull out a few things. Number one, what are we growing up to? We're growing up to all aspects. Verse 15, growing up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. We're growing up to be like Christ Jesus in every aspect, every angle, every way that you could look at him, every aspect of his nature and character, we should be more like him <clears throat> in every respect. That's what we're growing up into. He talks about um, in um, verse 13 there, um, to a mature man, the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You know, I mean, we've been singing about it, just that the gloriousness of the Lord Jesus in all of his fullness. That's what we're growing up into. That's our measure. That's the measure that we're measuring our, our maturity to. And um, you can see, have a, look at the, have a look at this verse later on, and you can see how, how as so much we see how as individuals, when we grow and mature, the church grows and matures. It's the connections between us that increases all of the time, isn't it? That which every joint supplies. We're the body of Christ and that between us, as we connect between us, is those connections that cause us to build and mature. So developing as individuals, disciples, causes the church to grow and mature as a whole. Okay, I'm just going to finish off with a few hindrances to growth. Hebrews 2.1 talks about drifting away. Don't drift away, but pay closer attention. You must be aware that we're like boats on a river. There's a certain current and Christianity is about rowing against that current. And if you stop rowing, if you stop putting the effort in, if you stopped paying closer attention, then very quickly you can drift away. And that might mean you just think, do you know what, I'm going to take a season out of church. I've just, oh, I've had it up to here with all these people going on and on. It's just, you know, I'm going to go on holiday. I'll, I'll, I'll go, come back in the autumn, see when it's better. As soon as you do that, as soon as you disengage like that, you're immediately drifting away. And you can be shocked, I think, quite shocked to discover how far you have drifted and how much things have um, slipped in you um, by just not... So just, just stay steady on things. 
Mark 4, 18 to 19, the parable of the sower, sowing the seed. Remember the seeds that landed on the rough ground where there were weeds that grew up. Thorns and weeds grew up and choked the word and made it unfruitful. Why was it unfruitful? What were those weeds and thorns? Jesus lists three things. He says it's the worries of the world, the deceitfulness, deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. There are three things that will choke the word out of you, choke the life of God out of you and make you unfruitful. The worries of the world. There's a lot out there to worry about. Don't worry about these things. When we, you know, the first thing Jesus says when he's talking about the end times, isn't it, is don't let your hearts be worried. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't let the phobitrons get you. That's what Luke talks about. The phobitrons, the fear generators. Fearful events, he talks about them. That's one word, phobitrons. Don't let fear be generated in your heart. The worries of the world, what am I going to do? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to get the money from? How am I going to pay these bills? These things can eat away at you. Don't let the worries of the world choke the life out of you. Deceitfulness of riches. You know, you could, it's the love of money. It's not the money itself, is it? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Don't be chasing after riches. Don't be thinking, oh, when I win the lottery... I'm going to do this, that and the other. Life will be great. You know, it's the Abba song, money, money, money. It must be funny in a rich man's world. Don't, don't let your heart dwell on those things. God is your provision for all things and the desire of other things. Just be careful what you're craving for, what you're desiring for. Seek after him first, the kingdom of God. I'm just going to say one final thing. Um, in Timothy 2 Timothy 2.22 um, talks, um, talks about not getting involved in silly, fruitless um, controversies. Okay, so okay, I think end time stuff is particularly a hazard. There's so many books out there you can read and there's so many TV channels you can watch that just talking endlessly about, you know, 666 and the beast and... Or, you know, you can get, get so caught up in all of that and it's not fruitful. It isn't fruitful. It has a fascination for us, but there's no fruit in it. So if it's not being fruitful in your life, if it's not leading you towards the Lord Jesus, then leave it behind. You don't need it. And just stick with good old mainstream stuff, okay? And hopefully that's what you're going to hear preached from us. Good old mainstream life-giving stuff to get you through each day and, uh, you know, get, and get you growing in God. In 2 Peter 1, 5, 2 Peter 1, 5 to 13, there's a list. I've just called them the seven, seven golden things here. He says, make sure these things are growing in you. Faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, See, that's fourth on the list here. It's ninth on the list when it comes to fruit of the Spirit. But here, it's been promoted. Self-control, perseverance, godliness, love. And Peter says, you know, I want to remind you of these things. If these things are growing in you, then you will not be unfruitful, he says. But if you forget these things, then you will be unfruitful. So find that passage as well, 2 Peter 1, 5 to 13. Right.
I've said enough. <laughs> I hope that you are encouraged by that. I hope more than anything else you're encouraged by the fact that God is at work in you and he has not given up. He is not discouraged. He's still working on you, still working on you. And that's what discipleship is. We're making that journey. We're walking steadily with him. We're flourishing fruit and season. Let me pray. Can I pray? Yeah. Father, I want to thank you for all of these precious folk here. I want to thank you how you know every heart, how you know everyone. I want to thank you for how you are committed. I want to thank you for how each of these people were the joy set before you. You endured the cross, despising its shame, because you saw us, Lord. It seems incredible, but you saw us. And you saw how you would work in us and how we would flourish and grow and how we would grow more and more into you. And I pray that, Lord, for everyone, that we would grow more and more into you. I pray, Lord, that we would know the leading of your spirit inside of us. We'd know that voice saying, walk this way, walk that way, more of this, less of that. Keep going. That, Lord, there would be hope rising strong in our hearts or that we will keep walking on glad to be a disciple glad that we are following you glad that you are with us leading us on all of the way lord bless us lord help us lord encourage us lord strengthen us and equip us lord we just want to say we're glad to be your disciples we want to be more like you amen